There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It is Saturday, which means it's time for the front three with me, Adam Ball, with the one and only Lawrence McKenna. Saturday. It is Saturday. And of course, Dave O'Brien. Oh, yeah. Saturday. Come on, you, the Saturdays. Where are you coming to us from, Dave, today? Well, I'm currently sitting in, in sunny Southampton, um, taking Hi the breeze now. Hi now. Outside yeah. of the old London town, eh? Yeah, I've, I've migrated. So, you know, life, life is good out here. Went for a lovely walk in, in the Whoa. forest this morning. You know, very calm after a very, very busy period. I forgot forests existed, to be honest. Um, mm. I, haven't, I haven't seen much greenery. We did see a football pitch this morning, though, Lawrence. They've not we been in the top league for a while. Turf. Yeah, no, that, yeah, but that's not a forest, is it? Well, I suppose it's a forest to an ant. How did it, how did it go, lads? Score any uh, goals? Um, I think I scored a hat-trick. I think. Um, uh, Lawrence, I believe Lawrence nutmegged someone at some point. Nutmegged oh. a few people. Scored a nice goal. Yeah, it was all right. It was all right, wasn't it? Wasn't I too shabby. made my return to the six-a-side pitch yesterday um, after a few months out with injury. And for some reason, my touch was unbelievable. <laughs> like I was ripping balls down. I was doing like chipping, but I was, like, brought one down. Put it over some dude's head. I was just—I don't know what was up with me. I was like Francesco Totti. It was unbelievable. I think Next that can Saturday happen days. sometimes. Once you've not, when you've not done it for a while, sometimes your body's just so happy it's playing football again that it sort of has yeah. all this, has all this like it's like a, it's like a latent memory of stuff that you wanted to do. It's like riding a bike. Um, Dave, you might have to see this in action next Saturday. You might have to prove. Oh yes, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm back, mate. I'm back. I was, uh, one thing though, I did, I did, a, I did like let the ball run through my legs, turn like quite clean for on goal, and then a defender came across, and I came back onto my right foot, did a step over, and then rolled it back, and then the sand carried it, and it looked well, I looked so stupid. I kind of like slipped and fell over. It was dead embarrassing, but <laughs> we'll forget about that. We'll go just think about the glory. You shouldn't have mentioned that, but you're talking about the beautiful first touches, all this sort of stuff. We, we yeah. would have been none the wise, mate. But it would have been um, unbelievable, Adam. I was just thinking, if, if that had come off, God, it would, have been, it would have been an excellent bit of individual brilliance. Plenty to talk about in today's podcast, guys. Of course... The Euro 2016 final tomorrow afternoon. Also got to talk about France, Germany. Jurgen Klinsmann apparently again offered the England job. Leonardo Benucci apparently on the verge of moving to Man City. So much to talk about. Let's start though, Dave, with France, Germany. The semi-final on Thursday night. Um, Germany, as I predicted, 
Um, not to sound stupid, <laughs> getting knocked out, Dave. But what went wrong for the Giants? I think, you know, there are a few things. Um, firstly, Mario Gomez's injury. I think that, you know, gave Germany that cutting edge. You know, we saw the first game, they were very poor against the Ukraine. Um, probably the Ukraine, probably one of the worst teams at the tournament. Couldn't break them down. You know, he scored, scored twice, but it was a very, very poor performance. And Germany did very well with Gomez back in the side, giving them that space, opening up space for their attacking midfielders by being that man that was consistently playing on the last man and looking to get him behind. And I feel they really missed that. Thomas Muller's had a, had a very terrible Euros. You know, 26 shots on goal, not scored a single goal yet well, and, and won't score a single goal of some being knocked out. But I just feel it was a little bit too narrow. Um, Leroy Sana, for me, should have started to give him that width on that right-hand side. Again, it kept on going to Kimmich and there was no one there. Mezit obviously does come inside onto his left foot and does come into that space when he plays out wide right in a 4-3-3 and I just feel Sana would have been a better option and um, that's where you wanted to attack France is at the fullbacks so that's probably their weakest part of the team ever and Bakary Sagna so I just think that Germany and Joachim Lowe got it a bit wrong in the game but you know credit to France I think France played excellent you know very very well and, and since he's moved Griezmann inside they've looked like a completely different team so I feel that they'll do very well in the final but it, it was it just felt a bit for Germany it was a bit of a you know a few tactical mistakes and it kind of cost them the game. They obviously lack, as Dave said, they lack that world-class forward. Obviously, France got Antoine Griezmann. Even Giroud can do a job up front. Mario Gersler didn't really work out in the first few games in that false nine role. Still waiting for that uh, that Nando's, Dave. Uh, Mario Gomez injured, of course, as you say. Um, Thomas Muller having a bit of a shocker. It's it's a shame, but in the, at the end of the day, Lawrence, France is able to go through. Germany had too many problems, essentially. It didn't have that, that goal score. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I think, um, you know, Jürgen recognised that even post-World Cup when they sort of snuck it in the final, if you like. Um, he was saying, you know, history can change very, very quickly based on a couple of key moments. And I think he was saying, you know, the, the squad felt quite lucky to win that World Cup. And I think, you know, in, in this tournament, they've, you know, they're clearly one of the favourites, one of the more dominant sides in, in the way that they play. But also, I do think that when France allowed them to be dominant and almost played the, the side that, you know, would basically take the pressure, then Germany found that very difficult. And like Dave said, they didn't have the implements when they needed it at the other end. So I think they were outplayed. And I, but I think that's that's then going to be flipped again come the final because they aren't playing a side like Germany. They're playing, well, Portugal. And Portugal are quite a bombastic <laughs> team with quite a, quite a lot of physicality in there. I'll be interested to see how they face face up, especially in the sort of attacking midfield areas for both sides. Because mm. Dave makes a good point, you know, about... Griezmann uh, being so key for France, but at the same time, how loaded um, you know Portugal are in that area with Nani, Caresma. You could even put Ronaldo in that area, um, and you know even Sanchez. I think is quite key to backing up that zone. So it's interesting. We'll see. And, and not only that, I think especially also looking at the the influence of Paul Pogba on a game like that. I think it's going to be really fascinating. I think it's going to be you know it's it's going to be a brilliant game because Portugal have been. They've been like workmanlike and they've they've worked very hard in the tournament. They've been pretty decent on the ball. When they've had their spells of domination, they have created chances. So it's because I feel that the France game for the France Germany game was easy for France. They knew what they needed to do. They could counter attack and sit deep and break. But are they going to have the expectance of a um, you know of a filled Stade de France that they have to go out there and they have to dominate the ball, which kind of for me would be the wrong way to play against this Portuguese team. You know, Portugal have looked a little bit weak when teams have broken against them. You know, you go back to the Poland game. Poland didn't take their chances at all, but they created a lot in that first 30 minutes. 
that with a better player, like, you know, with a form Antoine Griezmann um, or a Dimitri Payet, that if they can get those chances, you know, Payet from range or you know Griezmann going through, that it, it could really uh, open up the game for France. But if they go out there and they think that we've got to dominate the ball, it's so very dangerous. You know, look at Nani, look at Ronaldo drifting into those wide areas from central positions, causing that um, you know the space between the fullback and the centre back. That, that could be very very dangerous for for um, for Portugal in a defensive sense. So, again, it's going to be a fascinating final. Who's your money on, Dave? Because obviously Portugal have sort of, they've, they've been impressive defensively, really. They've been very resilient, um, but they've lost their last 10 matches against France, uh, including both meetings in the five-team qualifying group, of course, which Portugal got through. Surely France are the favourites going into this one. Oh, yeah, definitely think France are the favourites, but... It would just be unfashionable for Portugal to win it. I know Lawrence, Lawrence keep on saying about that. What's the thing where it's like Greece? Uh, well, yeah, in in '92 there was Denmark. Greece was 2004, and then there's the the lack of fashionability, or maybe the mm. the, the you know a lot of people thought Portugal, and maybe rightly so, don't think Portugal are a particularly um, attractive side, and also uh, maybe they felt they were a little bit lucky at times. Um, but, you know, it's that dominance and the ego side, which I think is, is very hard to um, quantify. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, it's, it's going to be, again, a massive battle is going to be Griezmann versus Carl, William Carvalho. Maybe even it could be smart for um, Fernando Santos to go with both Danilo and Carvalho in that zone just to cut off the supply to Griezmann. But then again, he's still the, the, the thing you've got to worry about with Anton Griezmann is getting the ball to Olivier Giroud and then him running in behind. You know, tactically, it's it's been a very interesting uh, development of Antoine Griezmann's career. Real Sociedad, when he started there, he was a left winger, playing left wing. But when he's been brought to attack in midfield, he sort of revolutionised that position. You know, we've seen the likes of uh, Steven Gerrard and maybe Frank Lampard playing that role, attacking midfield, being goal-scoring midfielder. But we've never seen it at such a, a level of Antoine Griezmann. You know, that scoring rate that is absolutely unbelievable. I think that's it, it's moved from, you go from Messi, from Ronaldo, you know, the goal-scoring winger that we've seen in the last four or five 10 years and now we're seeing a new breed a goal scoring attacking midfielder that is the goal scoring force of a team which is so tactically interesting that now a target man isn't the goal scorer anymore not the battering ram but he's sort of in a way a bit of a playmaker for players like Antoine Griezmann that hit him the ball and he's got a little touch and then Griezmann is clean through on goal so it's it again football always moves it never stands still and I think we will see more players that will evolve that will play the Antoine Griezmann role that is this sort of second strike striker goal scoring type player you know it, it go back to the great Italian teams the secondary punter has, has been there in the past so maybe it's just football coming around again and these this player evolving and and sort of, you know, appearing at this type of football where we do have fast counter-attacking teams that well, Dave, is the tactical trend. I mean, Dave, do you not feel like the, the amount of, um, I don't know, uh, the, the amount of one-on-ones that he has with the goalkeeper, that's clearly not from a position of being an attacking midfielder. That You'd say that is a second striker. Yeah, so, that, that's what I mean. It is, it is, but then it is a high, it's a hybrid of the role. You know, either if you play attacking midfield, you either come to the ball or you can go away from the ball, like Angleton Griezmann, or you can be a central stri- central winger, as they're known, where you drift to the left and you drift to the right, and you look to overload the flanks and cross the ball into the box. Mm. It's just another way to play attacking midfield. But it is so interesting the amount of one on ones. But one thing for one thing to watch out in the final, if Griezmann does get a get a one on one, look at his start position. Look at his start position before the move, when the move's being played, and it's a lot deeper than a natural striker. Again, we go back to 
um, maybe start of the, you know to early 2000s when we had like players like Inzaghi, players like Crespo, players like Michael Owen that were playing a poacher role where they were running in behind and the target man was deeper than them. Now it's flipped round where the target man is now leading the line and the attacking midfielder who's making those runs, making those Michael Owen S runs and those Inzaghi S runs, but firm a much deeper position. That's yeah, because just they're playing higher at, lines, though, isn't it? So it's essentially that. Yeah, it, it, more it's kind of a different into. thing that defenders are. You know, they're more aware to. Um, a forward running in, you know, the off, the introduction of pressing and um, playing that style brings in the offside trap. And that's the reason why teams are a lot more aware for players like Michael and players to Inzaghi because teams are drilled better. Tactically, they're a lot better at playing a high line. Um, you know, maybe we've seen in the past where teams have been good at that in the early 2000s, they'd be the odd team that do that. But now everyone plays a high line and they play it quite well. That's why the attacking midfield role with Antoine Griezmann is so difficult to defend against because it's the secondary phase. When the ball goes to Olivier Giroud, then, uh, you know, and, and he's, he's, he's blatantly on side. He's usually playing ahead of the defender. Um, and then it's the second phase that Griezmann goes in. And that is difficult to play the two high lines. It's like the secondary high line that you've got to react to. And then if the flick on comes, you've all, you know, you've got to be so, so aware. You know, you've got to think of um, if you're a, an aggressive centre-back, a, a John Terry, a, a Yaman Navidic, who's going to attack Olivier Giroud, the other three centre-backs in a back four have to tuck in and have to come, come, become compact, but also have to be so disciplined in their positioning. And that's what Antoine, Antoine Griezmann um, breaks at the moment. It's that ability to defend that second line and be the, you know, p- play that second high line. And, and it's, it's difficult. And that's why he's getting joy out of it, because it's, it's so hard to play, you know, in transition and be that agile and be that pacey when we've come to see defenders be more ball players these days. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> Obviously, quickly becoming the player of the tournament, Griezmann, Dave. Um, you talked about his tactical evolution there. Obviously, gives France an edge. What is your score prediction going into this game? I think it's going to be 3-1 to France. Wow. Really? Bold. Bold. I, I, this, you know, we've had some really hard games to predict, but this is definitely up there. Because Ronaldo's in form now, I'm, you I'm know. I'm going to go 2-1 Portugal. Old. Lawrence, which side are you coming down on here? I'm going to go two all into extra time. <gasps> and I think, you know what, I think them... I think them <sighs> Do I want Ronaldo to, to take it in the end? I, I've, I, got, I, I've got a feeling he's going to. I feel like, it, yeah, it, it feels like it could happen. Obviously, as I said, the, the form's there. Uh, it's that big question mark over... With Messi and Ronaldo leading one of these teams to, to a major international tournament, he's he's going to be jumping at the bit to win this game. I just feel like France. It feels like it's their tournament. Mm. I mean, I think also France would probably be more popular choices as champion, wouldn't they? Than of course, maybe the other guys. But um, you know, I, I, Portugal have also been grafting this for a very long time. Um, you know, France has got this generation now where you know it feels quite new because they had to take out a lot. Of the older, um, a lot of the older generation, whereas with this Portugal team, it feels like things are. I don't know there's something almost NBA esque about it. You know, where a couple of guys get together because they want to get a ring. Uh, is there something similar here with the Nani, Ronaldo, <laughs> Carisma? It's their last chance. So you're saying two all extra time, and then either Griezmann or Ronaldo pops up with a winner, and I'm gonna oh, go yeah. Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Yeah, I think it'll be. He's going to get one over Griezmann again after yeah. the Champions League final. Interesting, uh, guys. Do let us know your score predictions at the front three on Twitter. 
Um, I did just want to have one final word on Germany before we move on yeah. from the Euros. Um, do you, does it feel like an end of an era to you, Lawrence? Because I know we're talking about how Spain, obviously, uh, Del Bosque is gone, and Germany being the world champions, it was a s- somewhat disappointing campaign. But at the same time, they were missing quite a few players, uh, Marco Royce, Ilke Gundogan. There's young players coming through like Kimmich. Is it more... Is it less an end of an era, more simply an end of the campaign itself? It might be end of an era for Yogi Love. I feel like we applied the same idea that we did to Spain onto Germany and just didn't allow Germany to um, sort of write their own. And I think, you know, Spain was somewhat of an aberration in recent years, kind of dominating thing years after years after years. It's quite clear that, you know, the centre of world football is still very much in Europe in terms of um, the dominant tactic, at least. I think a lot of other uh, continents are tactically revolutionary in other ways for, um, for themselves. You know, MLS is very interesting to watch because of what they're bringing up through there. South American football, from what little I do see, but the highlights and some of the, um, the really exciting attacking football over there as well at the moment. Um, I, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's end of an era. I think it's a continuation, but I don't think it, we're trying to look for the same sort of domination that Spain had, and I don't think there are going to be many sides that can do that right now. Because, like Dave says, football has been changing, and for that reason, I don't think it allows dominance. Because actually, managers are playing the chart like they're playing the odds a little bit. I think sometimes when you play those odds, it comes down to very hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Like they become much, much slimmer because pressing and all those sort of things and how the body reacts um, and how players react and, you know, uh, how throughout a tournament you, you don't know how that's going to work. So, no, I, I don't think it's an end of an era, but I do think... Yeah, I do think there's. I think there's a couple of other people who already thought that era was over after 2014. To be honest, let's move on to talk a little bit about Jurgen Klinsmann. Then reports emerging in the last 24 hours or so that he's in discussions with the Football Association over succeeding Roy Hodgson as England manager. This is coming from Oliver Bierhoff. Uh, the Germany general manager, he's the one suggesting this. Um, obviously, the, the United States coach at the moment, Dave. Does it feel like a good fit to you? Mm, I don't know. It could be a good temporary fix. Uh, you know, he's done some pretty decent work with the US national team, but have I been blown away by their style of football? Have I been blown away by his management? No, absolutely not. So I, I don't know. I think it's it, it could be a good fix. You know, I'm, I'm all for uh, international managers signing another international manager. 
someone that's played, you know, someone that's done that before. But it just doesn't doesn't blow me away. I don't see Klinsman playing um, a very expansive football. There, it's a very workmanlike American team, which in a way wouldn't could be a good way for some of these players to go. You know, get them get them running again, get them working hard. But I'd I'd like to see something a bit bigger. I'd like to see a longer term plan from the FA. I'd like to see them just come out. You know, if they are going to go with Klinsman, why? Why are you going with Klinsman? What is the future of English football? That's what I want to see. So maybe it'll be a good appointment for, you know, a temporary solution. May um, bring some togetherness that's obviously not there in the England camp. But I don't know whether it's it's the right thing. The right. I don't, I don't think as a coach he's the right way for England to go. And I feel yeah. like the, the FA is always. That's the problem. Is the FA clutching it? I also feel like they don't actually have much of an idea over those sort of things. So I, I think if Klinsman came in and tried to change what's already going on, I feel like he'd just be disrupting the way that the FA want to go. Frankly, it doesn't look like it's particularly well organised over there anyway, um, from the outside at least. And I don't know if Klinsman would change that because I feel like it would be. An, I feel like it would be similar to America in that sense, so the, the United States where. But, you know, there are a few people who pulled away from that idea or were sort of like, oh, you know, I don't I don't think he's right. I don't think he's going in the right direction. I, soon, I think, and especially in England, I think as soon as that happens, you lose people. And then from there on, it's just sort of a toxic relationship. I think they need, the FA should be taking their time and oh, I'm just disappointed already. <laughs> the, other, the other name in the mix, unbelievably, is Roberto Mancini. He's apparently interested in taking on the role. Um, Harry Redknapp has been ruled out. Uh, Mancini's got a year left on his contract to Internazionale. I can't see that one happening. Can we, can we see that, Dave? Uh, it could be quite an interesting one as well. But again, the style of football there would be very defensive. Uh, we see what we saw what he did with Manchester City. Did very well with them, but they were uh, you know they were more defensive than they were an expressive team. So. It's just not where I want to see, not where I want to go. Again, like Lauren said, it's it's a similar type of appointment to, to Klinsman. Probably a better appointment than Klinsman. I, I like Mancini a little bit more as a manager, but you watch his Inter Milan team this season, it was a little bit boring. So again, I don't know, not not convinced with that at all. Thank you, but no thank you. Thank you, but no thank you. Yeah, not, not a bad thing, but not a good thing. Um, should we move on to a little bit of transfer talk? A little bit of transfer banter? Trans- Do you want to ask? Is that a thing? Is, is, Trans- tra- is, transfers even, is transfers even a thing anymore? Mate, <laughs> believe me, they are a thing. Just because you click it doesn't mean it's interesting. They are a thing. Okay. I find it interesting in the respect of if, they, if they've got some if they've got some truth to them, seeing how these sort why teams are spending this amount of money, why they're trying to bring these players in, what they bring to them. I find that interesting. Do you ever just feel a bit like that, that, you know, when... the, the, it's pushing the bounds of human creativity? And when they're particularly spurious yes you know the, the the one doing the rounds to spurs last week was mauro riccardi to spurs which just didn't really make sense for an, a number of reasons and it's just it's just sort of hot air whereas for example i know we talked about it a lot already but the paul pulper stuff is interesting in a way it feels now like it's uh <laughs> it's gonna be the same story for the next few weeks yeah paul was on the verge of joining Manchester United. no it's not actually he's uh, nothing's been discussed yet all this sort of stuff yeah, it is quite uh, funny. it's, it's sort of what people think is possible isn't it and i i think sometimes people want to push it in a certain direction and i wonder i wonder how uh sort of media gossip i wonder if sometimes there's some media gossip and the club reads it or someone in the club reads it and goes well, that should be quite good. We should probably do that. <laughs> yeah, if they based it on the spurious transfer, it'd be yeah, interesting. Yeah. I find it more interesting, for example, Jordan Ibe, Lawrence. 15 million, um, yeah. Liverpool well, accepted a 15 million, million, million pound bid. What 15 million got you in 2016? 
uh, 12 been able to have got you Dimitri Payet just 12 months ago. <laughs> love, Dimitri Jordan Ibe, young, English, promising... Is that to see him go though potentially? Or yeah, he's, he's a big Liverpool. Is he not like it? Well, I mean, Liverpool have got a buyback clause in there, so I'm not that that buyback clause is a little bit uh, promising in that sense. But I, at the same time, Liverpool I think feel like they have a Shea Ojo, who a lot of people are saying looks like a different kind of package and much more what maybe Klopp wants. I do also think it's partly that uh, you know, as affectionate as Klopp was towards him, he doesn't fit the current system right now, um, and he you know it was a very effective Im- impact midfielder but I also feel like I feel like within Klopp's project there's a lot of honesty to what he's trying to build and I, I genuinely think sometimes when someone leaves a club it's not sort of like oh you're surplus to requirements get out I do think it was kind of along the lines of um I, I think this probably applies to a lot more people than we realize because you know when someone leaves people want to put the boot in or they want to sort of be like well they were shit I don't want him anyway um but I think with Jordan Ibe it was along the lines of look you know you don't you don't fit into this system right now, and it's it's a case of timing. If you want to stick around, uh, give it a go. But I also think you know you don't want a, cl- a player in there who's going to be particularly frustrated by the system or doesn't feel like things are going his way. So you might as well be honest and sell, especially sell someone for fifteen million. I think that's great. A good price, Dave. Fifteen million? Absolutely not. Um, I, I question. I question the, the market. It's absolutely mental. Like you see Barcelona, like Denis Suarez go for like four million to Villarreal and bought him back for four million. I was like, yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, that's good business. So then you see like fifty million for John Knight is mental. But I suppose that's you know you can't with quotes you know with money going around for Paul Bogba hundred million pound you know whatever. You just want to throw money at each other. Just do it. You know there's. Apparently, uh, Pogba's agent will get twenty percent of the next deal. So if he goes for hundred million, big big dollar, right? You know, if it's one hundred twenty million euros, that's what, so much cash. You imagine what you do with that money. He could start his own football team. He'd buy a football team? Would you mm. buy a football team? Yeah, probably. He could buy Jordan Ive. He could buy Jordan Ive. <laughs> Jordan Ive get just in his garden doing the doing the lawn, Jordan. <laughs> the rhododendrons don't look very good today. You can sort them out. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't play football with him. You're saying you'd use him for menial tasks. Yeah, That's what you'd right. be like, Jordan. Ding, wow. ding, 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 ding. You'd have a bell, Jordan. I need my coffee. God, you're a, you're a, you're a, you're a mean man, Dave. Dick. You're a terrible man. Yeah. That mm-hmm. you do that to poor Jordan Ibe. Um, Dave, talk to me about Andre Gomez. Now, Juventus, Manchester United interested. Barcelona though, have a leading. The race they've stolen the initiative and they're going to sign him apparently according to sport in spain i think it'd be a bit of a um, a mistake for his career if you were to go to barcelona now i don't think there's um you know you again the midfield busquets iniesta rakitic you're not getting in, you're not getting ahead of them you're not going to be in the front three because that's messy uh, suarez and neymar so i don't know it feels like i wouldn't if i was Andre gomez go there i'd look to go mm. to juventus that could be a great move for him you know if pogba goes go to Juventus he's a player that's very 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 impressive both technically and his work rate his work rate is probably the best part of his game and you look and he can, he's got lots of skills he's um, a very technically very gifted player so yeah he's, he's got the full package for me a very complete midfielder but I don't think I think Barcelona's just a little bit too, too early now maybe go to another club then go to Barcelona if you want to go there but yeah I'm a massive fan of um, Andre Gomez. You know the work they did for whenever you you know whenever I watched Gary Neville's Valencia last season, Andre Gomez was always the player that looked very impressive, leading the the press in the final third, very very aggressive, and again, yeah, technically very very good. Graziano Pella set to become the latest player to to join the China exodus 
Jesus. Lawrence moving to Shandong Luneng, the Chinese Super League club, for thirteen million pounds, uh, joining Papi Cisse over there. One hell of a strike force. Yes, uh, <laughs> I, I genuinely I don't know how to quantify that because it's literally only the money that we're judging them on. I have no idea what the quality of the league is. I don't understand why any player will be happy to go there. Uh, I, do, I, do. Not, I mean, especially not Pella at this point in his career. Mental. Why would you go at this point? Does, yeah, it does feel like a, a wrong move, Dave. Potentially. Yeah, I think, like, again, like, why not go back to Italy? There's so many, you know, fair enough he's fallen out with someone at Southampton, but a move to Italy would be the natural progression for him, right? You know, it, into Milan could do with a striker. AC Milan could definitely do with a striker of his caliber. Fiorentina, um, Lazio, obviously, but Lazio don't have a manager at the moment. That was absolutely crazy. If you've not seen it, Bielsa being there for two days and then resigning. Apparently, they couldn't. You know, he, he came to the club with the club promised him that there'd be six players that would be joining. He'd pick these six players that fit his system. Apparently, he gets there and they've not contacted any of those players, so he just instantly quits. A very Bielsa thing, but very. Um, interesting, you know, we spoke to one on TFR Live, I think it might have been you and me, Adam, about the next um, managerial job for Argentina. And he was saying, you know, he'd love Bielsa, but Bielsa told him that he never wanted to go there. I'd love to see Bielsa as Argentina manager. That would be so much fun. But, yeah, very interesting on, on a side note. Um, potentially, you could go to someone like Genoa if you didn't want to go to a top team or Sampdoria. But to, to China, for Pella, just crazy. I mean, <laughs> moving on from that one, you, you mentioned Bielsa there, Dave. Hmm. What's happened with Marco Bielsa, Lazio manager, the new Lazio manager two days ago? It's not um, hard, Adam. He, did, he just said it. They didn't, they didn't do the transfers and he was disappointed. Is that simply it? Just boom. He's, yeah. he's just but that's he's, Bielsa. Two like, days, he's had enough. If you, if you, you need to know with Bielsa. You don't, if you don't stick with what he said, he's off. You don't mess about it. He'll get another Bielsa. job. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Is he, he probably will get another job. Uh, uh, one, one final word on uh, Pella. I can imagine that if you are a particularly frustrated player or you're a player that doesn't feel you can break up any further maybe into a big deal or uh you know like you're going to be able to make you know puma money or adidas money or nike money then maybe it is a good idea to go to china because you've got a lot of brands over there that are very interested you can be the face of something uh and i imagine you know if you want to get out someone like pella would probably find it quite straightforward to get back to europe would you like to know what the shortest managerial reign ever is i think yes. it's like 20 minutes or something <laughs> It was 10 minutes. Yeah, there you go, yeah. Senior for Torquay. Uh, Roy Senior had the misfortune of being appointed Torquay manager as the club were being taken over by a local consortium. Papers signed, they wanted their own man, and Roy Senior was gone uh, after just 10 minutes. 600 seconds. There you have it. Fuck. Pub fact for you there, guys. Leroy Rossinia. Leroy Rossinia. The Leroy Rossinia. The Leroy Rossinia. Hey, cool, man. I like, I... <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. You do what you do. Yeah. Um, let's end on potentially a spurious transfer uh, rumour, depending on how reliable you think Build is in Germany. Mm. Dun, dun, um, dun, 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 dun. It's pretty good. It's, you know, it's hit and miss, has to be said. But they are reporting, guys. Right. Tottenham Hotspur. <gasps> no. Joined the race. No. <gasps> Even though I thought no. the race was over. The human oh. race. <gasps> For Whoa. Mario. Oh. G-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-
has cooled Ooh. after his wage demands. <laughs> yes. Now, interesting. I thought this was dead in the water. Liverpool, of course, linked with him earlier in the transfer window. Apparently had a little chat with Carlo Ancelotti and Carlo was like, you're staying here, Mario. Uh, you're in my plans. You know, you're not going anywhere. I'm Build Italian. You're up. Italian. I'm not Italian. Exactly. Your name's Mario. Whatever. Staying, See you later. Ciao. <laughs> now, Tottenham are interested, Dave. Uh, is this the first you're hearing of this? There were gasps. Oh, were they sarcastic? Yeah, it's, it's the first I'm hearing of this, but... What Mario Götze uh, would bring to Tottenham would be would be so good. You know, Mario Götze when he was at Dortmund was probably one of my favourite players in world football. But then he moved to Bayern Munich, and I thought that killed it for me. It was like the Carlos Tevez to Manchester City, a team that I really like in Borussia Dortmund, moving to you know your arch rivals. I don't like that at all. Um, but what he could bring to Spurs is that ability on the ball and attacking midfield. Um, firstly. Uh, the problem with that is that Deli Ali plays that position for Spurs at the moment and gives them a lot. But what it would do, it would move Spurs on. It'd evolve them even further. If they were to play Deli Ali, Eric Dyer, sort of central midfield, and then uh, Mario Goethe there. What he was so good at doing was um, at Dortmund was combining with Shinji Kagawa. Like they'd you know, it'd be Goethe in the middle, Kagawa on the left. But they'd switch positions, they'd interchange, they'd combine down that left hand side. It was it's just a joy to watch uh, Mario Goethe. When he is flying, when he is in form, very you know his dribbling style is, is a little bit Messi-esque, you'd say, and that is a great sort of uh, compliment to him. But it, you know he's been in the wilderness at Bayern Munich. He needs that move, and you know it feels like Spurs, Pochettino, similar system to what he played at Dortmund would make absolute sense. Mario Götze, Mario Götze, <laughs> Mario Götze, Mario Götze, Götze. Cha cha. You got me excited, Dave. I've got to say. I'm excited now. Um, 20 million, the fee, apparently. Bargain. Um, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> as per usual, Chelsea, Chelsea will end up signing him a week from now uh, after William and, and Bashuai. They'll swoop in for that one as well. Um, but, guys, that brings an end to the front three for today. Thank you so much for listening. As I said, do get your score predictions in for the Euro 2016 final on Twitter at the front three. Let us know how you think it's going to go. For now, though, Lawrence, a pleasure as always. Bonjour. Oh, wait. No. Au revoir. Yes. The Euros soon to be getting off into the sunset. Dave, pleasure as well. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Guys, enjoy the Euro 2016 final. We'll be back tomorrow to go through it all. We'll see you then. <laughs>